Hi everyone and welcome to Sustainability Explored, a podcast where I unfold with the help of my amazing guests from across the world how sustainability practices are integrated into business operations in various industries. My name is Anna and I'm an environmentalist, sustainability consultant and the host of this very show. Today we are diving into the topic that is very dear to my heart and at the same time the topic that was bugging me for a really long time. And this is all about events. Whether we are talking about mass events like Olympics opening ceremonies or stadiums inaugurations or conferences and various conventions or just a lunch break birthday party of the colleague from the office, there are ways to organize people's entertainment and catering in a conventional, so to say, business-as-usual way, or to take a more thoughtful, sustainable approach. I have found a great guest to talk about sustainable events with. Please welcome Serena Pacifico, the founder and chief consultant at Event Act, a company she has started and successfully operates in Singapore. I'm super, super excited that Serena decided to join us today at Sustainability Explored. Can't wait to start our interview. But before we do, you have one moment to subscribe to this podcast to always be one step ahead with sustainability news from countries and industries. All right, are you ready? Let's jump right into it. Hi, Serena. Thanks so much for joining me today for this unusual and I hope, not I hope, I know, a super interesting episode on sustainable events management and delivery performance. Uh, I am the person who actually started my, not career path, but my first job was in events. That was 2009. Um, Me, I was doing big mass events like openings of stadiums, um, anniversaries of independence of certain countries. And I was involved in stage management. And I remember all the while, while, all the while, while studying uh, for my bachelor in environmental science. And I know I was in stage management and we used tons of tapes, uh, tons of like signage and stuff that we would throw out at the end of every rehearsal i don't know the costumes that would be made specifically for certain events also like i don't i don't even want to know where they go at the end so at some point uh, of my pass there i think i did like five big events with the italian company by the way film master events at the at that point they were called yeah um yeah and i was just hit at some moment what was oh my God, this is so insustainable way of doing things, of creating something just for one night, a big event, like 5,000 people would be involved and all their costumes and all their stuff would be, I don't know, probably thrown away um, at the end. So that was a bit heartbreaking. And since then, since 2008 or nine, I was already brewing in my head and questioning how would we do in the future, the future is now, how would we make these events sustainable? I am extremely happy I found you and your little company 
you're based in Singapore, but you should tell me now more about where are you coming from? How did you find yourself in this industry and why and how it came to your mind to occupy this specific niche of sustainable events management? Well, thank you so much for the great and passionate introduction. I think you gave me uh, quite a lot of smiles out there. Uh, so I am originally from Italy um, and I have been working in events since I was 18. So it's pretty much my entire career path in it. Uh, and as you said, right, when you do a lot of events or large scale events, you tend to see the waste that goes around it, um, which it didn't come to me as early as it did to you. So that's bad on me, uh, but it did take me a few years. So uh, after probably halfway through uh, my career, so about six to seven years in the events industry and having done a number of events, uh, I started realizing the amount of waste uh, that was going through. Uh, and the first thing that uh, it really got me was the food waste. So that was what it really opened my eyes. So just to backtrack a bit, um, when I started looking at sustainability uh, and how we approach it into the events industry, uh, it was about four years ago. Uh, and what we really mean by having sustainable events is just seriously, uh, it's not that much of a rocket science, but it's about having a collection of practices that you um, embed into your planning state uh, that are basically there to help you avoiding uh, waste uh, and help you at the same time to create a, a positive impact for the host community and also help you and prevent moreover uh, the future generation uh, not to have the same opportunity. So that's that's what it is to plan a sustainable event. So you don't also look, you don't only look uh, at the way uh, of the event to be pretty and positive, like and successful, but it also has to make a positive impact. So when you create those uh, little rules to yourself and to your uh, event planning, you really want to look at how do we have low waste, uh, how do we make a positive impact and how do we ensure that the future generation they will have the same opportunity as we have today. Uh, so with the, all that big peace of mind, I started looking around on how you can do this on a very practical basis. Uh, and, and that is really the reason why I opened the company. So Event Act was found in Singapore uh, about three years ago. Uh, after me deciding that I did no longer want to plan events for companies that they didn't understand or they didn't resonate with my um, aim to make the events industry or at least every single event I've planned uh, a little bit more environmentally friendly. So I've decided to take off and begin my own journey, uh, which was a little brave as I was the only one really trying to do this uh, at even planning level. Uh, which it created a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a space for what I was trying to do. Uh, and to my pleasant surprise, there was, it was really, it has been well received since. Uh, and the way that uh, really uh, has been the most well received is from the larger companies, which believe it or not, uh, they were the one that perhaps are more used to it, maybe because they have uh, international regulation to have to comply with as well. 
but uh, at the beginning I thought that it would have been something like my um, my hobby or my side project and then I found myself basically diving right in because there was a need so I was really happy uh, to see that. From Italy to Singapore, why Singapore? Why did you choose Singapore? Um, honestly said, I don't have a specific re uh, reason to, uh, to why Singapore. Uh, but before Singapore, I did travel around. So my very first country I moved in from Italy was the Canary Islands. So I was in Tenerife for a couple of years where I also had my own business there. So it was, I believe I was born with an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, and after which I decided to really devote more time into the events as this has always been something that came very natural to me and I always enjoyed. So I moved back to Italy for a while, took a bit of a, like a couple of event planning courses, then moved to London uh, where I really forged the basic, the, the, the base of my experiences. Uh, but after spending six years in London, I was kind of ready for uh, a new chapter. And I really wanted to experience different cultures and different ways of working. Uh, and I came to, you know, a, uh, a junction where it was, well, I can go to this hemisphere or I can go to the other hemisphere. So the idea was either going to the USA or to coming down to Asia uh, and in, within Asia, uh, the only countries that uh, really uh, were having my background would have been uh, either Hong Kong or Singapore. Uh, and I guess Singapore, it, was, it looked more green and it looked more uh, spacious uh, and it kind of was more appealing to me. So there you go. And uh, that's how I chose Singapore. I don't really have a, a very strict yeah. answer to that. It just looks like Singapore is very receptive to all sorts of sustainability related ideas and it just happens that somehow I did not choose specifically but somehow most of my guests of this very podcast are from Singapore or based in Singapore at the moment. Uh, Estelle Forger, we spoke about uh, sustainability of cities. Um, my classmate that I also spoke to him today, uh, Terry Young as well, he's, uh, he's working at them um, also with urban sustainable, um, uh, center for livable cities and everyone who is doing something and you know flourishing in their business are in Singapore. So I thought maybe there was a some specific idea behind. Did you have to study event management before or sustainability before? It was just kind of a natural flow for you. So how I came to events, it was really uh, through experiences that I had through my school or even through my uh, uh, dance uh, academy. So I was kind of planning here and there for the stage and for the costume and the music and, you know, the buses. So I kind of found myself knowing uh, how to plan uh, just out of doing it uh, from a, a younger age. Uh, and then when, what happened with sustainability is that I didn't exactly knew uh, what that meant, uh, but I knew that it was important to me. So it, it really came out of, of a, a passion and a belief. Uh, so I did my own research on what uh, sustainability means apply to the events industry and how you can uh, actually create some sort of value 
uh, by implementing those different practices. So I had to go through a lot of different, you know, websites and courses. And I was really lucky um, that four years ago I met with uh, the team that runs sustainability for IMEX at IMEX Frankfurt, and that is really well. They uh, they were really welcoming, and they couldn't believe that finally someone else was joining them. So at the time, the group it wasn't really that large, uh, and they took me under their wing, and they you know they teach you and they coach you. So I think it was really much uh, part of my own uh, research as to how I managed and to implement those practices and make them mine. But I haven't studied uh, environment. I don't have any background in environmental studies at all. It just came from home practices and beliefs of doing the right thing. So that's how I came to it. Yeah, a natural flow of how things evolved. When we say sustainably managed event, sustainably prepared and sustainably developed event, de delivered event, what do we mean exactly? What does it encompass? So so there are different ways to look at this. So uh, how I was explaining before, what, what we call a sustainable event is an event that has a variety of practices and regulation, if you like, that help you creating a more eco-friendly event. How do we look at this is we have different aspects to look at that. So we look at the supply chain, we look at the value, we look at the city, we look at the community host, we look at the waste, and we look at what are those positive impacts that we leave in the society and in that specific community after we leave. So looking at all these different aspects and to take it a little bit more practical, what, what what does it mean looking at event planning through a sustain through through a supply chain? It means finding out what products are available that may not be harmful uh, uh, to the environment or that they uh, are produced uh, in a um, in a in a way where the the workers they actually get the second they get they get the right salaries. So it's it's a lot of ways even to just look into the supply chain uh, and understanding really what's the product that you are buying into uh, and where at the end of the day where are you parking your budget uh, and what is the impact that your money will do to that specific product right so that's only just the supply chain uh, and then if you're looking at the venue there's a lot to do with is a it's a pre-made venue so is there let's say a hotel or a convention center or a stadium or is something that you will have to build specifically for that event and what would that happen to that structure after you've done with your event so what is the plan for that structure would it be abandoned would it have been used as a hospital or as a recovery center so when you look at creating a structure you really want to think further past what happened to that structure for that one time a year even though you may build it for future years you know there is 365 days in a year so what happened in between your event and your next event in that space and when instead comes to physical venues like hotels or convention center is you what you really want to do is to associate yourself with venues that have a good structure in place and they understand the 
value of having uh, sustainable practices, whether it is to use reusable energy or using um, uh, local farming or you know having local employees. So it's different practices that goes through it. Uh, and of course, let's not even get started on waste subject. So on that, that's a lot to do on how do we prevent waste because there's nothing that we can do after the waste is generated. I mean, of course there is diversion from landfill, but what you really want to look at is like, how do I avoid creating waste at once? So we're going through the production chain and see, okay, what do we need, what, what we don't need and how can we get around the subject of producing or is that something that we can do in terms of what materials we have so we're going back onto your supply chain so this is what it really means having a sustainable event it's really not just looking at pretty and successful um under the eye of your guests but it's also understanding what benefits and negative impact it makes to the community and to the environment at all right and i think you know you're so right to mention that waste is just the tip of the iceberg it's something that everyone notices and it makes me think, again, uh, a lot of my friends ask me, uh, where do I recycle these or that uh, things like plastic? We don't have too many facilities here anyway. And I'm like, wait, ask yourself the right question. And it will already give you half of the right answer. How do I not produce waste in the first place? And then how do I recycle the rest? And you will see, maybe you will not need to ask yourself the second question at all. So I'm always teaching people when I can and where, where they are receptive to the advice. I always say, think about zero waste. Think about avoiding waste and minimize, minimizing it. But it's true, there are so many things hidden before this waste is created. So supply chain, local products, lo local um, workforce and so on. How big of events are we talking? Conventions, uh, conferences, or something that requires, I don't know, costumes, making and performance? Traditionally, I think what, uh, what I've assisted with the most is conferencing uh, and product launches, sports events, uh, and awards. So we are talking on a decent numbers from anything from 100 up to 2000. Uh, so that's, that's the kind of region. Um, and, you know, it, it does obviously increase the effect of uh, your decisions uh, based on the numbers of your attendees. But sometimes there are way bigger choices that it would be uh, completely irrelevant whether you have 10 people or 10,000 uh, and those are uh, actually the, the best the choices to make because uh, especially when we talk to conference producers or event producers they may not only have one event but they may have a pool of events that they organize throughout the year and what I always try to say is don't use this exercise for one single time just try to make it a routine and I always say I always make this joke and say, don't run on a treadmill to have a donut. So that's the exact same thing. Don't make so much effort within one single event or then forget all about it into the next because the more you do it, the easier it gets. And it also comes um, uh, on a, an economical advantage if you start creating those 
structures and you know those products that you can reduce time after time you will see your cost decreasing and actually creating more value to your event because at the same time you don't have to stress about certain things because you know that you've got them so you can just move on next and you can invest that time to create something better or something different or perhaps work better on your content or you know your route or whatever that is um, so usually I, I would always try to say it doesn't matter how many guests you have because unless you are organizing one event and one event only you can always apply the same rule to all your other events mm -hmm. yeah that, that's right but I was mostly thinking about really just costumes because a friend of mine that works with me on the podcast that is editing and creating the transcripts she's also from the stage management team like me and not uh -huh. an internal joke that you know what we are doing now is the same event making we just release an event every week <laughs> so the episode and we are doing an online stage management she asked me that actually she was like she also has a heart for sustainability and environment and she was like but what about costumes so I was also thinking, like, what's going on with all these masses of, um, not, not even always a textile, sometimes it's a very artificial, um, I don't know, material, like, uh, impermeable? Oh, yeah, like uh, waterproof. Waterproof, exactly. Waterproof material and so on. What happens to so that? I actually had this conversation with a, a filmmaking agency here in Singapore, uh, which I got to talk to them through another client that I, I helped for an event. And her, uh, her husband is the manager of this uh, filmmaking company. And they said, please tell me what to do with all this stuff. And I was like, well, okay, let's go step by step. And I always say, take it one step at a time. Don't look at the top, just look at what you've got around you. So I think when it comes to costumes, the first question that we ask is, has anyone else used the same materials before? Can I get a rented costume rather than a buying costume? And that would already cut off a lot of your waste, right? Uh, and it's not only the waste, but it's also, you know, the the cost that goes with it because if you need to have a certain amount of waste to be collected it might cost you x amount but if you have half of it obviously it will be less uh, while on the other end um, what i was suggesting to them is try to use textile as much as you can because textile it's easier to be recycled uh, and it could be recycled in so many ways whether it's like a pure using it as it is in terms of um, clothing, or it can be used for uh, art installation. It could be used for uh, simply getting back and uh, do other, uh, other clothing or bags or uh, even like tents for uh, concerts and so on. So there's so many ways, but there's only as many textiles that you can use. And as you mentioned, if you start going to those products which aren't really um, good to be recycled you have no choice and that is where we get stuck so for instance what I suggested to them is to create their own little wardrobe of things uh, that they are very unusual uh, and trying to use this as an exercise to then reuse the same items in many different ways before making it to the end cycle of 
the landfills. Um, and another was try to get to catch those um, items out of a, you know, like um, a recycling market or like a cardboard sale or like try not to just purchase it brand new because at least even though you can avoid the end of the cycle, you are not creating an additional uh, waste. You are actually helping to get it through the end of the cycle. So as a matter of fact, it's, you just, you know, you're just going through the circle uh, of the product rather than going linear product uh, waste. So that was another um, thing that I've given to them. Or very simply, you could collaborate with some of the uh, theaters, dance schools, uh, or charities that they do shows and just simply say, hey, we've done this show, these are the costumes, would you use it? So at least somehow they just don't end up in a in a bin. They don't just end up uh, as a as a pure waste. So these are my few top advice I can give you for costumes. Uh, I hope you guys can get a little bit of a piece of money there. <laughs> it's true. By the way, what was happening with events that you were managing scheduling for the past three corona affected months? So. For the time being, uh, because we usually work on year-to-year -year events in the medium to large scale, the events that we had, they have been postponed to 2021. Ooh, wow. uh, so yeah, uh, it, did, uh, it did change the spectrum uh, all at once. Uh, however, that gives me the opportunity to uh, invest the time onto a new product line that I was uh, trying to push out. Uh, which is one of the biggest pain points for every single person that's trying to do events sustainably, which is actually trying to find uh, sustainable products for their events. And here we're talking about uh, name beddies, lanyards, backdrops, uh, you know, all of these kind of uh, products that usually are one-time use uh, and they're pretty much made out of plastic and surrogates, uh, which are quite hard to find, especially in Asia. So I've decided to then take this time to create finally uh, this platform where not only uh, myself or us as a company can rely on, but every single event planner can just tackle on and get on and get exactly what they need without having to go through the pain of searching worldwide for these products. So uh, yes, of course, uh, it has been a hit in terms of uh, current uh, business. Uh, but it's also been a bliss because it's given us the time to work on for this new product, which is quite exciting. And, you know, we also brought new people on board. So it created that kind of like a new freshness through the whole, uh, through the whole company, which is always good to have. Uh, so yeah, uh, unfortunately, the event has been canceled. Uh, well, not canceled, but postponed to next year. Uh, but from the bed, obviously, we got that silver liner. So we're really excited to see that coming forward, hopefully by January next year. Well, that's a brilliant idea. I like that you are also, you know, spreading the knowledge and getting people on board with this idea. Speaking of the, you know, reception of the idea of sustainable events, uh, how do, how does the general public take it? Do they want more, and your clients, are they, are, uh, do they ask for more like sustainability or are they mostly going the traditional way? So there's two answers to that. There is the polite answer and there is the true answer. So let's start with the polite answer. 
politely saying, uh, yes, companies are uh, looking to be more sustainable. Uh, and you have a variety of factors, uh, being because the company has sustainability development goals that they have to achieve, and events is a part of how they achieve these goals. Uh, some of them, they simply need to create a more um, eco-friendly environment because their core product of the core service isn't as ethical. So they're trying to patch wherever they can, however they can. Uh, and then you have the truly sustainable companies that at heart they are driven by people that they believe in the cause and they believe that everything they touch should be done in a sustainable way. So that's your polite uh, talk pitch uh, answer. The reality is that um, it is still a very new subject uh, and it's a very unknown, especially attached to uh, event planning as such. Uh, and more often than not, when, they, uh, when the companies have seen the differences uh, into the uh, end product or they understand that there are additional steps to be taken or perhaps there are additional costs to be uh, covered, they usually try to back off it. So as a first approach, they say yes, uh, but then there is a good part of them which is say, oh, well, actually, let's just do that as a CSR activity rather than bring it into our entire event. Uh, but I must say that uh, this is a practice that is getting less and less popular. So now uh, we see uh, coming companies which they understand a bit more of how events can uh, also uh, share the knowledge of sustainability and bring awareness. Uh, and they are a little bit more committed uh, into the cause. And I also think that this is uh, coming off at of the back of, of the whole pandemic situation where people, they started, they, I guess we had a lot of time to think uh, in the last few months. Uh, and I think that a lot of people, they start understanding a bit more of what climate change is and what do we do on a daily basis and how we impact even with small activities. Um, and then I guess it's, it's really getting forging uh, this thought into the mind of the general public. So I, I think that we will see more and more of the needs of, uh, of live events um, to become more sustainable. Uh, because that is the face of any company and they if their company cares about their own brand they should be able to understand that this is uh, also part of what they have to do so yeah on the economical or rather financial side of matters is it according to you is it more expensive to have a, the event sustainable or traditional plastic use and throw away way well the economical benefits of having sustainable uh sustainability embedded into your events it it can see it can be seen on the long run mm -hmm. uh, meaning um what i usually try to say is don't look at an individual event budget but look at your overall annual budget and then with that we will be able to see a curve where perhaps the first couple of sustainably run events might tend to be more extensive, but on the long term, you will see those mind shifting um, activities happening. And towards the end of your year, you can see how you're actually saving money 
uh, on the same event that you planned the year before. So it, it is a learning curve uh, and it comes with pros and cons. So of course, as we were saying before, don't run on the treadmill and eat a donut. So don't do the exercise of having a sustainable event once and then just throw your learning to the bin because it was too hard. Because that is exactly when you start the whole learning process. And really, it's not about being more expensive, but it's also uh, how you use your budget. So there is a lot of ways, as we were saying before, how do I avoid that waste? And that also comes uh, to the terms of how do I avoid that purchase? So you are making a decision of whether investing that amount of budget towards something that is going to the trash. And here we're talking about uh, programs, invitation, gifts. Uh, we're talking about um, uh, conference equipment. We're talking about um, exhibition stands. So we're talking about things that, yes, there might be uh, uh, a, a first step uh, benefit in having it at disposable or one-time use or uh, you know like cheap and cheerful sort of approach but on the long term you are uh, actually throwing your trash like your money to the trash quite quite basically uh, and it, it is um, it is just how uh, how much you want to devolve into sustainability and I, I guess it's also how many events do you do in a year uh, or like, a, what is your turnover? And I guess that would make an impact on uh, the final answer. But I think there is a, uh, an economical impact, a positive one, uh, but it's usually seen um, after practicing for a little while. It's not a one time. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I was searching for, I really wanted to interview someone from this industry events because this is where I started. This is where my partner in podcasting crime is also from. She was left without a job this year and next year, most probably too. I mean, big events will not be a priority in the next years for, for sure. And I did not find a lot of people. Basically, I only found you uh, with, with a mention of sustainable events management on LinkedIn. Do you have any competitors that you know of, at least in Singapore or maybe elsewhere, just to understand how popular the idea is? I think... Um... I wouldn't say competitors. Uh, I would be really happy to have another soul that does this in Asia, so then we can cry uh, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, but it's, uh, I, ha I must say that, especially um, in the Asian context, it is hard to find another uh, event agency that uses sustainability truly uh, to plan events. So as of now, I don't have major competitors uh, in, uh, in my own market. However, there are uh, several, actually uh, we have about 100,000 uh, event professionals that are developing uh, sustainability consciousness uh, for our profession. So we haven't that many, but the, no the number is uh, up and running. So I would say that perhaps in the next few years, we will see the rising on uh, sustainable event planners coming up. Uh, and this is a very new practice anyway, even for the so-called veterans, they are still new themselves and we all work together. And I think that's one of the most beautiful parts of it. It's like we don't 
fight, we actually work alongside because we all have different challenges. We all live in different countries and we all have the same issues after all. So I found that um, with those uh, people that they are in, in my same journey, every time we kind of bump into one another, but either virtually or physically, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe there is another one of me somewhere. So we usually don't call each other competitors. It's more like a community that is growing. So perhaps ask me this question in 10 years and I must say, yes, I do have competitors, but for now I think um, there is an arising on events professional, uh, but it's not really as a saturated market as of now. Right. On top of your mind, top five challenges of the industry that you face? Uh, so if we're linking this to sustainability, uh, one of them is definitely sustainable procurement, uh, which is why I'm looking at creating this platform to help other professionals. Uh, the second one is the buy-in from every single stakeholder in the company, uh, because again, when we have different people involved, uh, not everyone has the same idea and the same priorities, and sustainability isn't usually the first one for everyone. Uh, I think the, the third one is to uh, actually create an environment that is truly sustainable. So uh, a lot of times it's easier said than done. Uh, and the follow through within the activities that we would say we would do, uh, it, it, it can be challenging. So sometimes it doesn't really go through, which is one of the biggest challenges together with measurement, which I would call is the fourth challenge. Um, yes, doing sustainable events is great and you can be as eco-friendly as you like, but if you haven't measured how far you went, uh, you kind of made a lot of efforts for nothing. And unfortunately, the measurement, it's never as accurate as you wish to be uh, for many reasons. Um, and that it's another challenge that, you know, I can see now, there's more companies that are getting uh, uh, into this. And I'm, I'm sure it's something that it, it won't be as challenging in a few years down the line, but right now it's something that we see exploring. So there are some challenges attached to the measurements uh, of the uh, activities that you do. Um, and then I guess the last one, it is linked to the financial side of things. As we said before, if you're doing it as a one-off or just to try, it might, it might not be as uh, economically viable as perhaps running uh, a traditional way event. Right. Do you think anything with the industry of events is gonna change in the post pandemic sustainability wise? Uh, I think the industry will change as a whole sustainability aside. I think as we were saying before, people have had a lot of time to think and I hope they invested the thinking time in the right way. Um, and I'm sure that there will be uh, a lot more people that they may be more aware and they will try to make a difference, which it brings us to a point where companies that are planning events, they will be able, they will have to cope with the expectation of the general public. So we will see more sustainability coming to the picture. But also I think that uh, the digital way of running events is becoming sharper and sharper and I don't see this as a temporary solution. I actually see this as a um, um, kind of a complementary solution to our live events. So 
I, as we are creating more content uh, and we see the benefits of running this content digitally, I would see that kind of practice remaining. Uh, not 100%, but I, I would say that there would be certain type of events uh, like lectures uh, and conferencing that they might actually stay online. Wow, have you been approached already with this sort of uh, engagements? Oh yes, so I am myself planning on a few projects uh, to bring them uh, on a digital platform, uh, which is like very challenging. I find this more challenging than running sustainable events, to be to be honest with you. Uh, but I guess I'm more used to that. Um, but it's also like a positive challenge. It's like how do we become more resourceful uh, with the medium that we have? So. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm working on a variety of, of uh, programs, whether are festivals or kids carnival or uh, conferences. So, so there's been a few projects that um, that came up to my uh, to my lines and said, okay, well, it won't be any more sustainable than doing it digitally. So let's try. Why not? That's true. Well, certainly a big change is coming up, and I was reading, I think, an article that was on the Guardian. And one line, someone that, that was stuck in my head. Um, I'm all for uh, the digital events, but please, I want to sometimes sit uh, by the table with other people in front of the of the of the what was it biscuits dish. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that that's where we're going with. I don't think that every single event will turn digital. I don't think that that's reasonable, and we are humans and. There's nothing better than human and physical interactions, especially when you know we're talking about um, making connections that um, they need to last a long run. Uh, but for sure, I think that the uh, digital element would remain. It, it will not just disappear. Um, and I, I think it would be a quite interesting concept to see the events going halfway digital, halfway live, and also how we bridge the gap in between the um, you know, uh, crazy amount of travel that we usually do and how do we then use the technology that we have learned and mastered uh, right now uh, to our advantage in the future. So that it, it may come useful to us again, but definitely we will have to see people around, I'm pretty sure we will see them around the, uh, a conference table with biscuits on hand. That's, that's not gonna change anytime soon. Just wanted to add two more benefits that I heard of, um, of these digital events. Is first one that the, it allows some decentralization. So if usually the events would happen in, in a country like mine, in Ukraine, in the capital. Everyone, everything is, that is happening is happening in the capital. Right now, you can connect from where you are and you're still attending the same thing. You're listening to the same speeches, you're getting the same materials. I'm very glad it went online so that it's more accessible to people. And number two is those who cannot travel due to their um, inability, like physical inability, handicaps and so on. Th those people are included in the dialogue again. And that's amazing too. I think definitely that's, that's what we call accessibility for all, uh, which is also part of how we make events sustainable, uh, not from a, an environmental point of view, but from a social perspective. And definitely the fact that we can rely on technology to bring people together 
that shouldn't be underestimated um, at all. Uh, and it also comes together with uh, so many more beneficial factors like the hair miles, uh, so the whole the carbon footprint that we would be able to avoid, as you said, having people not to have to travel to larger cities, but perhaps uh, having the subsidies cities to take advantage uh, of um, the operations. Uh, and then of course, uh, people that they may not be able to travel for all sorts of reasons. It may not be a physical reason, but it might be an economical reason. It might be that they have different commitments that they overlap. So with the digital side, um, we really give uh, full access 24-7, uh, right? I mean, time zone apart, um, I think uh, what uh, the digital world can bring to us, it's really how we connect and how we manage to open up those uh, barriers and those frontiers that we would usually have if we are in a physical location. Thank you, Serena. It was a great interview. I learned a lot and I hope my listeners did so too. To wrap up this conversation, one piece of advice I usually ask for my guests to give one piece of advice to the listeners. It can be anything related to the subject or a book recommendation or a movie to, you know, one step to go further in exploration of the topic. Right. The best piece of advice I can give to anyone, and you can take it whether through a sustainability journey you're taking or to a journey that you're taking right now, is take a step at a time and just look much further off of what's happening right now. So that's, uh, I think it's, a, it's a, an advice that I give to myself every single day as well, uh, especially those days that it's more that are more overwhelming than others. And you can take it, it you can apply to everything. It's like a, a magic, uh, a magic sentence. And definitely, uh, I think if uh, people want to be more attached to the sustainability subject, subject such as start from your own community, uh, get together with people that they are close to you so that you don't feel alone and you feel much more motivated to begin the journey and to also share your good and bads with people that they are next to you which also open a lot of great new friendship uh, so that's that's definitely another little piece of advice so you know in one sentence is act locally in every sense yeah stay local I mean, we don't have much choice right now. We may, we may uh, very soon, but for now, stay local. Yeah. Yes. Super. Thanks so much for your time and for sharing. Well, thank you for the invite. It's been great uh, having you here as well. I think it's so, so great to have people from all over the world. So again, uh, benefits of technology, but it's been like a pleasure being up. Definitely. Stay safe. Ciao, ciao. Thank you, you too. Bye. I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. I hope you loved listening to this episode as much as I loved working on it. If you have any questions for me or Serena, do let us know. Feel free to reach out to either of us or both of us on LinkedIn. If you like the podcast, please consider subscribing, sharing on your social media and leaving a review on the platform you're listening on. I would appreciate a lot if you rate us on Podchaser page and leave a review there, I reply each and everyone in person. By taking your time to give your honest feedback, you help me improve the show and you also help other people interested in practical aspects of sustainability to discover this channel. 
Usually I always suggest some other related episodes um, to listen to, to expand on the topic, but this time we were unfolding the topic we've never discussed before, even remotely. So I just invite you to see which episodes speak to you and you, you can check them out. We have a lot of exciting guests covering a range of topics from flowers and business models, bad sheets to tourism, fashion, economy and sustainable buildings, for example, and many, many more. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I, always, uh, I am always happy to see new people uh, getting in touch with me. Uh, please challenge me with your questions. You can suggest guests or who knows, maybe you're the next guest of the show. You can as well suggest topics you'd like me to cover in the future. This was Sustainability Explored, episode number 47, and me, your host, Anna Chashina. Thank you so much for listening, for being with us today, and until next time, next Thursday. Take care, stay sustainable. Bye-bye.